Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You're listening to the Fish Untamed podcast, your home for fly fishing in the backcountry. All right, welcome to episode number 38 of the Fish Untamed podcast. Today, I got a chance to talk to Joe Evans, who is a journalism student at the University of Montana in Missoula. And in this episode, we mostly cover fly fishing media, um, everything from what Joe wants to do with his degree when he's out of school to what other careers there are in uh, fly fishing and travel media um, and how he creates content while he's out on the water uh, in his drift boat with his friends um, and trying to balance the content creation with actually just enjoying yourself fishing. Um, We also got into a couple unrelated topics, uh, Fishing Pyramid Lake, um, which Joe's done a couple times, and also how he manages to uh, store all of his gear and his drift boat while living in a dorm. Um, So kind of wide range of topics. Uh, We can hop right into it. Here is my chat with Joe Evans. All right, I'm sitting down today with Joe Evans. And where, where are you today, Joe? In college? I'm in college in Missoula, Montana, yep. And so what, what university is there? University of Montana. What, uh, I know I read it on your, your bio, but you're going for journalism? I am, yep. I am doing a lot of writing, and hopefully I can kind of get in the multimedia photography side of things. So, yeah. And uh, are you planning to kind of take that in the fly fishing space specifically? Totally, yeah. I mean, if there's, I'm not a big fan of global news, politics, uh, so not really, not really the, the New York Times route, more the photography, photojournalism route, so totally in the fly fishing industry. Sure, I definitely want to come back to that, but um, starting off, do you just want to tell me how you kind of got your start in the outdoors and, and fly fishing specifically? Yeah, for sure. For a brief background, I started when I was about eight or nine. 
my dad and I were, you know, throwing the conventional rods, worms in the river, stock ponds for trout. And then he bought a fly rod and we started going to the fly shops just because he kind of wanted a new challenge. And we began learning together, probably got into it for maybe a couple months. And then he took a job in Florida. We were in Idaho at the time. And then he basically, when he left me, it gave me the choice to like stick with it and learn myself or just drop it. And I stuck with it. Nice. What were you, what were you fishing for back then? It was just trout in the local river in Boise. Okay. And is that still what you primarily target or have you kind of branched out to different species? I try and branch out different species every chance I can, but it's hard to leave trout when you're in Montana or Idaho. That's true. So you're, um, you're in school in Montana, but your brand name handle, whatever is Ida fly. So I assume that's related to Idaho. It is. Yeah. It was kind of just a name I came up when I was young. And it's actually funny you say, I had someone comment on one of my recent posts. You're gonna have to change your name now because you're now a Montana guy. And it's just Idaho fly. Just kind of where I grew up was Idaho. So Idaho's got a special place in my heart. And I don't know if I'll be, I don't know where I'll be temporary down the road. So Idaho fly is just kind of like a name I came up with and I like it. I got to say, I was a little confused at first when you emailed me because uh, like your first name on your email is Ida, which is like, you know, a lady's first name. So I was really confused whether I was talking to, yeah. So it was like Ida emailed you and I was like, who's Ida? (laughs) That it's good to know. No one's ever told me that. I'm gonna have to fix that. Now. Yeah, maybe maybe just make Ida fly the na- like the first name, um, because you probably emailing a lot of people who think they're receiving something from Ida. Oh, just <laughs> Ida in the email. I gotta fix that. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. So, um, a couple things we talked about, like wanting to discuss today. Um, one of them is just fly fishing on a budget and in like a super tight space. Because you're the first college student I've I've talked to on. Um, the show and I probably the, the first college person I've talked to uh, in a long time what what's your kind of setup for I know you've you fish a lot out of a drift boat do you have a drift boat on campus and and how do you like store all your stuff <laughs> perfect I love talking about this just because it's like it's like a scramble every single day uh, so first of all college campus parking is horrible and on any campus you're at for the most part and so I did, that was one of the first things I did when I got to Missoula is I bought a drift boat. I love, I had that money from just a lot of savings over time and finally got a drift boat. I got an RO skiff and I love it. And I knew that with that boat, I could get to learn the water very, very quickly around here while I was, you know, while I'm going to be here for the period of time while I'm studying. And I had to, I basically pay for dirt uh, on an outdoor storage. Okay. And that's where I left the drift boat for the last three, four months and paid for that just outside uh, Missoula about five minutes. And I just go pick it up the morning of, or the night of for the next day and scramble to find a double perfectly open space in the parking lot somewhere or park it down the road along the street quite a ways away and walk home in the dark, but storaging stuff. I do own a truck and I'm able to leave almost all my fly fishing gear in there. And I organize it perfectly in this dorm somehow between fly tying gear and waders, boots, everything. I, I'm like drying them out the window every other night. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah. So the, the truck must help a lot. Um, I feel like when I was in school, not a lot of people had trucks, but um, that would definitely help out a lot. Just I assume you have like a cover on the back just to keep, keep people out of it and you can just keep all your stuff in there. Yeah, I do have a camper shell. I love okay. it. Do you ever sleep back there? Yeah, I do. It's a short bed. 
So I have to kind of bend my legs. And I have done that in the summer. But I try it. If it's cold, I'll just sleep in the car and lay the seat back. Okay. <laughs> definitely go Definitely go on trips where I will crash in the car. That is a very common thing. Now, I don't know if you'll know this, but, like, I didn't have anything that large to store when I was in college. So I don't even know if we had the option to store things. But is is that unique to like where you're going to school, like are they used to people having like drift boats and stuff? Is that kind of, you know, do a lot, a lot of people use it for that? Or is that just what you've used it for? And, and that's just a kind of a common thing that is available for people. Definitely a lot of people around uh, UM, Missoula, University of Montana area are very outdoorsy people, climbers, fly fishermen, bikers, literally everything. And they definitely have to deal with storing larger items. But I feel like everyone that I've, every student that I've come across is an upperclassman where they live off campus and don't have that problem. Okay. And most of the underclassmen don't like jump into that big investment from the start. I just, I guess I chose because I saw the boat that I found here in Missoula was one that I actually like really, really liked. I love the color. It's like a light blue. And I was just fantasizing over it. So I had to grab it. No, was that like a used boat you found or? Yes. Okay. <laughs> did you fix it up at all? Did it, like, did it need fixed up? I uh, It needs some, I mean, mainly just repainting and there's definitely some big chips in it where it like took little chunks out of the sides and bottom. I'll probably do some work on it this spring when it's nicer out and I'm able to sit outside for a longer period of time and have open space. Like when I've transitioned from here to my uh, summer job. Okay. And what what is your summer job? I work at Henry's Fork Anglers. It's in Allen Park, Idaho. It is like trout paradise in eastern Idaho and 45 minutes from West Yellowstone and Yellowstone National Park. The Madison in Montana is like 35 minutes. It's incredible. It's got everything. I love it. Do you guide for them or just work the fly shop? Not yet. I had my first very, very short season with COVID last summer and I hope now I have a drift boat and as opportunities come and I can begin to learn the water and earn my way up the totem pole to begin guiding there because there are some very, very talented guides um, above me. When I got there, I had some confidence and it all went away when I got to that shop. Oh, sure. (laughs) Every time I feel like I know something about fishing, I talk to somebody else who's way more knowledgeable and I'm like, I don't know anything. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. You're like, you go to a new place and you're like trying to talk like, oh, I did this back home and they like laugh at you because it's just nothing what you need for that specific area. Yeah, I don't know who I was talking uh, to recently about that, but, like, when you go to a new spot and you feel like you don't know anything, like, you know, in theory, knowledge should transfer, you know, especially between, like, trout rivers. Like, if you're in trout rivers in the West, they're all going to fish, like, kind of the same, but you show up at a new spot and you're just, like, it's like a blank slate, you know, your your face just goes blank and you're like, I don't know what to do, and you're like, I do know what to do, but there's just yep. something, like, different when you're, when you're fishing a spot you fished before, and you're like, I know what to do here. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. So um, do you need like rowing experience to kind of move up the totem pole there? Or did you just get the drift boat just as, you know, something fun for yourself to do? Totally. I love talking about that. That's sweet. You brought that up. I started off with a small raft. It was called a Saturn raft. And I got that purchase two summers ago with one of my best buddies. And that's how I learned. I think it's awesome to learn through a raft first because you're going to, you're going to bang, you're going to hit rocks. You're going to do 360s in places you don't want to do 360s with a drift boat there's not much room for error i guess you could say because if you make a large error a large mistake hitting a big object it can really damage the boat versus a raft you can bump into whatever you want 
I think a drift boat's a lot more luxury. It's really hard to guide, in my opinion, out of a raft. There's just less space. And I feel like, especially um, in the industry, guiding elderly people is very common or children. And I think having them just in a spot where they can like sit in an open seat and have place to, uh, places to keep their feet. And, you know, when you're guiding, you want to have a cooler and you want to have all your flies. It's just a lot. It's like luxury, like I said, in a drift boat. And for guiding, I wanted to take that next big step, get rid of that small raft and begin to work in a drift boat. Now, if I had both, that would just be incredible because there's places I want to float that nobody ever even thinks to float where I take a raft and I can throw it over the hillside and drag it down wherever and run, run a float where a drift boat you can't. So guiding aside, like let's, let's pretend, you know, you're never wanting to guide and you are only fishing personally. Would you take a drift boat or a raft and, and why? I would take a raft. Cause that's what I've always leaned toward too. Cause I've got some friends who are like, oh, I'm saving up for a drift boat. And I'm like, I think I'd rather have a raft that I can pack down and not tow yeah. it everywhere. But I wondered what, if there is like a benefit to actually having the full on like rigid drift boat. Like why, why do people really opt for that? Is there a... Is there a, apart from, you know, guiding clients, like if you're just fishing personally, is there a, a benefit to the drift boat? I, like I said, storage, but I really do believe it's luxury, but some people could definitely tell me different and uh, say them wrong because I've only had a drift boat for like three or four months now. So I don't have a lot of experience. Now I do know one thing is wind, wind sucks in a raft. Okay. And Cause you're, little, you're just on the surface a little bit more. Exactly. Like way okay. on the surface. Uh, that's why those high side drift boats, like that are angled like this uh, don't do well in the wind either. So that's a big reason why I got an RO skiff is because a lot of the water uh, I'm hopefully going to be guiding like the Henry's fork is very, very flat tail water. Okay. And that's like per for a sneaky little boat. You know what I mean? And it, it's just so much more enjoyable to fish out of a drift boat than a raft. Also rafts at takeouts and put-ins are, I'd say a little more complicated too. Uh, you can crank a drift boat up so quickly. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Cause yeah, I've, I'm like, it, it sounds more luxurious to be in a drift boat, but it sounds like more of a hassle to own one. And I'm yep. just like, you know, I don't want to have to tow it everywhere. Um, but yeah, you're the first person I've talked to who actually, you know, I've had an experience with boats. So I'm like, I should, I should pick his brain on that. Totally. I think with a raft, like, I think your first, a first should be a raft for sure. Uh, definitely heavier. I think drift boats, I think drift boats can be easier to row, but also harder to row. It's kind of hard. Raft, raft's just more forgiving. Okay, good to know. I'll have to keep that in mind. I mean, I'm not looking to buy one anytime soon, but I just, you know, gotta gotta gather all the info now. <laughs> Might as well. Let's uh, let's move on to like the the media side because I know that's a big part of what you're working on, and that's something that I have basically no experience with. Um, and I guess I'd just start off by asking you, like, what what jobs are there for? Uh, a person in fly fishing media because I feel like w when I think of fly fishing media I think of like fly fishing film tour and that kind of thing like like film festivals basically uh -huh. um then there's a, of course like magazines and things like that and then online but like what is there anything else I'm missing or or what what kinds of careers can you follow in that this is a tough question for an 18 year old <laughs> for sure but you're supposed to know what you want to do with your life <laughs> already <laughs> that's what they tell you <laughs> I'm trying to learn. So that question is something I'm trying to learn a lot. I ask that myself the same question all the time. I'm trying to learn more about the careers as well. Although I do want to begin guiding at my age right now to see if I love that route. And I'm really excited for that. Now, when it comes to media, I think 
you can go a million different directions. Like you said, there's production. So with film, like the Fly Fish Film Tour, a lot of people know of Captain Jack Productions or Wild Fly Productions. They focus on making videos. So they're going to really, really focus on worrying about their filming, not fishing. And, and they are constantly pumping out YouTube videos, short films, and they're really focused on their Instagrams and podcasts, social media in general. That's like a productions where someone would pay them to film their trip or they get put into film festivals or they make money off YouTube. And then you have um, another route would be like a media marketer where someone runs an Instagram. That might not be, that might even be a fly fisherman, but a lot of people that fish know where to find those pictures for a certain company. Like they might work and for a fly shop or something. And they're just running the social media. Running the social media pages. Okay. That's a, a marketer. And then the next one would be a brand ambassador. And that's also a totem pole type thing. You start off buying some product for somebody and you prove to them that you can take really good pictures and provide really good content for them, either to put on their uh, blog, web page, website, social media, anything. And if you can prove to them that you can give them good content and you'll work your way up and your percentage discount will get bigger and you can eventually slowly work your way up into the business of that fly fishing company and either like get a paid position in the workplace or become a legitimate elite ambassador where you are getting paid to get them content. Okay, question on that. I want to know your opinion on this. What are your thoughts on kind of the criticism that brand ambassadors have been receiving lately? Because I don't feel like, you know, you don't hear people, you know, making fun of the guy who does social media for whatever fly shop. But I feel like you see a lot of flack being given to brand ambassadors for, it's usually like a couple specific companies I can think of. Um, I won't bring them up, but like the, the criticism is that like that person knows how to take a good photo and basically make Instagram content, but like doesn't know what they're doing. Like what, what are your thoughts on that? Totally. I think they're doing their job. Um, they're out in the water. They may not be a fantastic angler, but if you are helping get fantastic pictures, like I have friends that are photographers that aren't elite fly fishermen, but they know how to work a camera. And if that's what they're good at, they shouldn't get shame for it. Sure. Do you think it makes a difference if they're portraying themselves as something different? I think so. I think you should stand where, where you belong. Because I think that's where a lot of the flack that I see comes from. It's not it's, it's not like someone who takes a good photo of a fish and is associated with a company, but the, the people who, I guess, give them, maybe elevate their own image a little too much in terms of like how good of an angler they are or how experienced they are when maybe that that's not the case. Um, yeah. I feel like that's what I see a lot more criticism about, but um, I also don't really know any of these people personally. So it's really hard for me to tell like whether they actually, you know, are, you know, quote unquote legit or not. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's, it's easy to kind of see both sides of like, well, this person's not doing anything wrong, but also I can kind of see the argument that, um, there's people profiting off of, uh, basically a false image of themselves. Yeah, totally. I totally, uh, see where you're coming from. And I see that myself too, all the time. I, I never try and judge a book by its cover on Instagram because you can see someone holds up huge fish. I mean, I do, I don't hold up huge fish. I make a smaller fish look big secrets out. Um, just through, through the way of angles and photography. And that makes the picture look cool in my opinion. And I don't really care what everyone else thinks. They, they can see that fish and be like, wow, that's a big fish. I know how big the fish truly is. Maybe they know that the, how big the fish truly is. Maybe they think that fish is huge, but 
Uh, it all comes down to it all comes down to like eventually meeting that person and going fishing with them to to see how talented they are and like watch them do. Let's say that you watch them as you're sitting in the back of the boat, and all of a sudden, guy in the boat anchors and says, "Hey, let's take some photos for what I'm wearing right now." And he might think that's weird, or he might think that the angler uh, like works his way into living up to it. I guess you could say like he he is talented enough to be repping that company. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And I agree. I feel like it's it's hard to judge someone by um, what they're putting on social media in either direction. Like either oh. they're they're posting something that appears to be kind of cringy, but you don't actually know that person, or uh, like maybe they're posting really really um, awesome stuff, but then they turn out to be kind of an asshole in real life. You, like you yeah. don't really know. <laughs> yeah. What what route are you hoping to go? Like I know you're just getting started with your degree, so you might not know. But like if you could create your dream job right now, like what would you be doing? My dream job would definitely be just to be able to fish the world. Either if I was guiding and just in the off season got chances to go fish incredible places and travel, that would be like an ultimate dream. Um, I love, I love Allen Park and Henry's Fork Anglers and I hope to grow, grow there. And I can't really tell where the future lies 20 years from now, but I hope 20 years from now um, in the, in the industry, there's great networks to be, connected with and made and great people to be connected with. I think that can happen through guiding. And then, you know, from there, really, really cool destination trips could form. And I would just love to, like I've said, if I'm guiding all summer long and then sure enough, winter comes and I don't have anything going on and there's a great chance to go fish and film for a company I work with outside of guiding and shoot for them and get cool content for them. And I'd love to do it all is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, I might not be able to because uh, you never want conflict of interest, and I've been coming coming to learn that a lot as I've gone to the industry and made mistakes too. And so I hope that there's always ways I want to try and do it all. Um, where some people say you can't do it all, like you can't, because that's gonna go wrong here and go wrong there. But if you could do a little bits of everything, by literally my an emblem I made was like travel fish film. Like I want to be able to fish everywhere, capture on camera to watch it over and over again, and fish outside of my home river, like somewhere insane. You know, I, I kind of see where people what people are getting at when they say, like, don't try to do it all. But I feel like it might be a little different in the case of, you know, like maybe guiding in the summer and then doing, you know, media work in the winter or something like that. And like versus yeah. trying to do it all at the same time, because like you said, there might be a conflict of interest, like you're guiding, but you're trying to create content off of those trips. Like it kind of seems exactly. eh, like a, a gray area. But if you if you are like, hey, I'm going to guide for four or five months during the summer. Um, and then when I start to get kind of burned out on that, then switch gears and do something else. I feel like that might, they almost might feed off each other where, you know, right when you start to get a little sick of one, you can switch and do the other thing and and maybe keeps you kind of into both. Totally. And I, what you're saying with that gray area is an area that I got lost in recently. And I, what I've learned is what I would love to do with that. I, that that's the reason why I want to do all is because I would be worried for myself and I would get burnt out because guiding is a very difficult job. Um, out on the water all day and so in the winter that'd be so cool to be able to like make youtube videos or something although that gray area i see can fade to black and white where you're making media and content and that's driving clients to realize to or see your name and be like oh i know where i'm going this summer yeah i don't feel like that is is really a gray area like i feel like most most guides do have like a social presence in hopes that people want to come fishing with them i feel like it's when you go the other direction that it becomes kind of a gray area where it's like 
you know, if, if I go out with a guide and I feel like he's making content off of his trip with me, that's where I'm like, no, like I'm paying you to be focused on me right now. Um, yep. Not like making, making this into some sort of content to share. That's huge. That's yeah. huge. But I feel like the other direction's not, I, I feel like that's not like unethical. You yeah. Know? You said it perfect. So where all of you traveled so far? Uh, so start off in Idaho. My dad just recently moved from Miami, Florida, but he was there when that first move initially happened back when I was a lot younger. He was in Miami, Florida, and I got to fish there in Key West for bonefish, tarpon, tried permit, didn't do so well. <laughs> I did that with, it was really cool because I got to connect with Max Hamlin. He's one of the other younger guides at Henry's Fork Anglers who goes down there during his winters. And I've been to Alaska. That was incredible. Lily just went with a neighbor for a long weekend and caught steelhead. I've been to... Where in Alaska were you, real quick, before we move on? It was Soldatna. Okay. Soldatna. And let's think. I've fished almost all over the Northwest between Tillamook, Oregon on the Oregon coast, across over to the Oahe River in Oregon. And then I fished all over Idaho, north to south up into Coeur d'Alene and the tip and the Clearwater River there in Lewiston, Montana. Haven't really branched into Utah and Wyoming yet. I fished a little bit in Colorado, but... Where, where in Colorado? Ooh, it was Breckenridge. Okay. Blue? Yeah. The Blue River? I did. Okay. I was so little. <laughs> I've, I've only fished the Blue a handful of times, even though it's only about an hour and a half for me, but I haven't had much luck there, but I've heard that I need to go elsewhere on it to have better luck. I just haven't gotten like brought myself to do it yet. Totally. It was beautiful. What of what I remember. And one more place I forgot to add was Pyramid Lake. That place is, is incredible. I haven't made it there yet, but I've heard a lot about it. Yeah. It's, it's a must, must trip. Did must you catch a, a monster there? The first time I went with my best buddy, we struggled. Uh, we went in the winter, which is usually when you catch the biggest fish, but less numbers. I went back in February with a big group of guys and we absolutely destroyed them. Really? Lots of fish or big fish or both? Both. It was everything you'd want, but it was crazy because you'd have, you'd have to time everything right. Like you needed wind, you needed early morning, you needed late in the evening. If it was dead calm and sunny, we may catch one fish and he may be huge. We may get one bite and it may be small. I mean, you literally watch that bobber from sun up to sundown as long as you can. As long as you leave it in the water, the better your odds, of course. But it could bob down twice that whole day. And if you're not watching it, you won't even know. Or if you set too late, it'll, it'll not come back to you. So it's pretty I remember cool. hearing about the wind there. What about the wind Like makes it makes it so much better? It just, in my opinion, there's those chub in there. And wind would obviously push bait fish up in the banks. I'd see fish like hit schools of bait up against our feet on rocks. Also, it just, those fish, I feel like roam, they move a lot more in the wind and they are a lot more willing to move shallow in the wind. I don't know all the logistics, but I, we just, when it's high and bright, when the water's glass, uh, makes it makes the fishing, I feel like, not as good. Fish are on the move a lot more in the wind. Interesting. Cause yeah, I feel like, you know, the Alpine lakes around here, I like when I get, um, not necessarily like dead calm, but I don't want like white caps or anything like that. That's right. going to turn me off. Um, but a lot of what we're doing up on those lakes is like dry fly fishing. So I'm, I, you know, I feel like that might be the, the reason, but I've heard that from more than one person about pyramid Lake that you want some chop on the water. You do also with indicator fishing, it's just keeping your fly moving. 
when it's straight glass, you have a, either a chronometer or bounce leech, whatever you're fishing underneath that bobber. If it's just sitting there, it doesn't really look normal. That's true. Yeah, I'm not doing. I would, I would move my bobber constantly. I like to pop it and just you know, but everything, of course. And then, how deep uh, are you fishing below that indicator? Oh man, I caught my second biggest pyramid lake fish at five feet, and then I caught my biggest pyramid lake fish at nine feet. So my my tactic was a obviously indicator with a split shot, just one. I don't like to run too big because you're gonna tangle casting or roll casting. Um, switch rod is a must if you're fishing indicators. And then obviously you want a heavy rod with full sink for stripping. But for depth with the indicator, you got to run a little, maybe a little split shot. You don't have to. And then I run a tungsten fly at the bottom. And then just above it, I like to fish two different depths, obviously, like two to three feet apart. Tungsten on the bottom is going to keep your indicator rig as straight as possible. And then with your tungsten on the bottom, just above that, you're going to have a tag. And that's going to have your, I fish a weightless nymph because if it's weighted, that tag is just going to do this. Yeah, just right? dangle straight down. Yeah. And so it'll stay up like that. And then I have basically a fly here and then a fly here and my mainland runs straight up. Okay. Now, I don't, I don't mean to uh, say this as though, um, you know, it's not fun to catch giant fish, but do, like, do you get kind of bored out there just like watching the indicator all day <laughs> compared to like what you'd be doing on a river? Yeah. You can't do it alone. You need friends. You need, uh, like lunch breaks, little things like that, like make a huge difference. I couldn't do it alone. Okay. So like you're basically out there for size, like to catch uh, like a trophy fish versus, you know, when I go fishing around here, like, I don't really care what I catch. I'm just happy to be out there enjoying yeah. it. You're not necessarily enjoying the process as much there. It's, it's all about the, the final destination. It is. You're, you're definitely chasing a trophy, but what's so cool is you can still catch five fish over 20 inches because the average is a 20 inch fish plus. Okay, so even like the small ones is going to be, you know, one of the larger fish you've caught probably. Yeah, a okay. six inch is like tiny. Cool. Well, um, that that was kind of a tangent I didn't expect to go down, but I haven't talked to a lot of people who fish Pyramid Lake. So, going back to the uh, the media side because I know that's uh, what you want to talk about a lot. Um, do you like what kind of media do you create right now? Like, are you filming on the water? Are you taking mostly still photos? Totally. I I am a lot of photos, and I have a lot of friends that like to shoot film and photo and i think it's super awesome they're there because i i'll be fishing they take pictures of me because i love to fish it's hard to it's like hard to pick up a camera in the middle of a float because you only have a couple hours to get out in these times during school and i don't want to spend the whole time behind the lens but for the most part i'd say photos i like taking photos and editing them but because it's really hard to take a whole lot of footage and break that footage down between you know, GoPro and camera and then each day, each fish and then throw it on Premiere Pro and edit it. Like that takes a lot of work. So I've definitely been taking the easy way route or easy way out with photos. Although I think video content just goes so much further. And with media, like I, this year I've came on with Cryptech and Cortland just through, just through good connections, good people and directors. And in no way does that affect my other uh jobs or work it's just something i wear and something i help promote with them on the media pages either if that's just through cool videos rolling through the snow while wearing a, a heavy duty jacket or if it's a picture holding up tippet in my hand uh with still with a still photo or a short video rigging up with that tippet anything like that is great content that goes a long ways so are you planning to get more into film at some point or are you kind of hoping to run with the photography side and, and stay with still photos? 
uh, both. I think you can't can't do without both. But I'd love to get more into video. It's just it's hard to stay like like those production guys. That's like what they live for. Um, they don't. I, I'm gonna be honest. They get to fish, but they don't fish much. Yeah, that's something that has always kind of, uh, you know, I've I've been divided about because I'm definitely not in the like media space like you are. But you know, everyone who fishes likes you know a good photo of of what they've <laughs> caught. Um, but even I have like I struggle with even getting a good still photo of what I've caught because I'm just like I just can't be bothered to to deal with you know the equipment and stuff like that like I'll just take a picture on my phone and be done with it but like how do you balance that when you're out on the water do you ever find yourself thinking like oh I should be capturing this as content and then debating like well I shouldn't be thinking that way like I should be out here enjoying myself like I've I've struggled with that before and I'm not even in the media space (laughs) totally I I've personally me I think fish first and then you know when a good fish comes along hey let's get a picture of it or really cool fog behind us. And it was, even if it was a small fish, yeah, this would be a cool picture. Um, but definitely fish first. I'm not out there to, I'm not out there and with the intention of getting photos, unless let's say I got a bunch of new product in and I threw it all on. I was like, okay, let's really get some good photos today. Um, but in the beginning of the flow and then we'll fish the rest of it. You know what I mean? Uh, but definitely fish first. Like I'm out there to fish. I'm not, I'm not, I'm out there to enjoy my time on the water. I'm not out there to, to work. You know what I mean? Right. So do you kind of end up batching it? Like you said, when you, when you get in the water, you might be like, oh, let's like start with some, some photos and then fish. Do you kind of separate it like that where it's like, okay, for the next 10 minutes, we're working on media and then we're going to switch over. Or is it like you wait until you catch something and then you decide if it's worth getting content from, you know what I mean? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, totally. I'll do both. If I've been kind of dry lately with content, I'll definitely like start off with the camera or if I know that in midway through the float, there's some good scenery, I'll pull it out and hold on to it for five to five to 15 minutes, anything like that. I don't batch it for like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to film for 10 minutes straight. That was a good example. I, I'm more like pulled out at uh, good scenic views, pulled out when a good fish is caught. Yes. But sometimes when I know like I've got some fun photos saved to post for the next week or so, I'll just go out and fish. And if I even get like a 16 incher that I just don't really feel like taking the work to pull the boat off or anchor the boat off, I'll just grab my phone or I'll just send her off. That was good. That was a good question though. Right now, what are you creating content for? Is it just like your Instagram or do you have some sort of like photography website or business or anything like that, that you're, you're using the content for? Yeah, totally. I recently made a business. It was kind of like a fun college project was to make a, was make a website and tackled it and it was a long road and it was super cool i made like some stickers and uh, apparel for fun just to kind of go with the intro of the website i'll definitely post like some of my friends really cool stories and their tactics on there as like a blog but um the intention of it is to have a place for like my photos and videos to go on and then they can see that and know where to find me in the summers okay so it'll be it'll be another, it'll be another good platform along with instagram to help grow um help grow grow interest with people that want to come fish with me I don't know exactly where I'm going to go. Like I said, I'm going to start with guiding because I think that'd just be so cool. I'm definitely a people person, so I'm really excited for that. But then it'll be great to at least have a good base. I feel like I started young and I want to just, I want to be where I want to be uh, with the great connections I've made at a young age and know that I'm in a good, in a good place because I have goals set and I want to reach them before it's too late to where, well, there's never too late, but I want to reach the early start. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And uh, building, building your platforms now is great because they'll always be there. And then you can always add to them when, when you get slow, because there's definitely seasons where you get slow. Like I I pumped out the website and then I kind of faded away from it. Um, 
because I didn't, I didn't really know where to go with it next, but I'm going to continue to work on it to, to place my pictures and photos and videos uh, guiding with Henry's fork or that I shot with Cryptek, anything like that. And TikTok. I just got on TikTok recently. Oh man, I don't, I've never used, well, I mean, I've used it in that uh, I've viewed, I've viewed other people's videos from TikTok, but I don't have an account and I've never made anything. I just can't, (laughs) I just can't bring myself to do it. It's too much, but it, there's, there's definitely a lot of people on there right now. That's what I've heard. I've heard like, there's like giant communities for, you know, whatever you're talking about, be it like fishing, you know, climbing, whatever the, whatever the hobby Mm -hmm. that there's like a huge community on there definitely how do you how do you uh like find content on tiktok like instagram is like hashtags stuff like that like Mm -hmm. how do people find fly fishing content on tiktok oh it's very rare (laughs) tiktok's mainly like dancing and whatever people do whatever stupid crap people do on tiktok (laughs) but uh there's a very small number of people and i think what more is as of right now because the fly fishing community is so small is you post like a maybe a really gorgeous fish or you post like I had one recently that kind of blew up. It got a good amount of views was uh, rowing through the snow, like a big snowstorm and people that don't fish still think it's cool. So that's what's happening mm, okay. is getting the attention from people that don't fish, but there's a super small community of guys that are, tr- that are in the fly fishing community are trying the TikTok trend. But like I said, just the more platforms you have, the better because you can just reach out to more people. Now, do you think TikTok's gonna like is here to stay? Uh, no. No. I think Instagram's here to stay. I don't think TikTok and Facebook's here to stay. Uh, TikTok was at one time like a Vine, and Vine died and turned into TikTok. So that may happen again where it dies and turns into something new. But right now it's booming because I know friends who say like I'm bored and I like laugh harder on TikTok than I do with some of my friends. I'm like, that's crazy. That's not good. Maybe. <laughs> that's probably not good. But. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, when you, when you say that, it makes me think of the fact that Instagram seems to just, like, eat up other apps in terms of, like, when another app does something that people seem to cling to, Instagram makes their own version of it. Like, I feel like, like Instagram, I yeah, like, it ate Snapchat. I feel like it's going to try to eat eat uh, TikTok with the, re- mm-hmm. the Reels feature. I feel like Instagram just looks at whatever, you know, hot app is out there, and then it's just like, let's just add that to Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, there's like you could go to your homepage on Instagram, look through photos. You can go watch a bunch of reels or IGT long longer. Like IGTV is like the YouTube of Instagram. I totally see that. Yeah, I feel like the one, well, maybe the two platforms it's not really competing with are Facebook and Twitter because Facebook and Twitter aren't as like image based, whereas all the other like image or video based platforms, I feel like just get eaten up by by Instagram. I don't, I don't, I agree. I don't think Twitter gets as far because you need to have a visual, in my opinion. Yeah, but I think that's also where, like, that's why Instagram hasn't eaten it up because it's it's not competing. Like, you have to read the caption for it to mm-hmm. even resemble Twitter. Um, although I'm not on Twitter, so I don't I don't know too much about it. But Same. so, do you have like a background in photography, or is this something that's kind of new to you? Very, very new. I uh, actually took a photo class this year and learned how to use the manual settings on my camera for the first time. Uh, it's kind of cool looking back at how much it, it's progressed, but I uh, purchased a very expensive camera. I took a long time saving for and got a little bit of help from parents because they dropped my old one in the water. And I got, a, I have a Sony a seven Mark three and it's an incredible video camera. It's a mirrorless camera, but it takes sweet pictures in the manual settings as well. And I've only become to learn that over the last year. So do you, I know you said you're kind of new to this. Do you have any tips for like, 
someone who wants to photograph their fish and get really good shots of it? Or do you feel like you're not quite to the level yet where you can um, kind of tell someone how to get good fish photos? Yeah, there's two things. It's, it doesn't have to be a good photographer. It's, it has to be knowing the settings in the camera. So it's not actually the person taking the picture and how they hold it. It's if the settings on the camera are set right. So like two big tips is you have the, the angler holding the fish and the photographer. You obviously have to have a, a decent looking hold and there's many different ones, but um, I always like to say head of the fish first in focus. If, cause if you're projecting a fish in front of you, you would hold the forehand with the head first because that's kind of going down the line. If you think of like rule of thirds, but like I, sorry, I'm kind of getting off track knowing the settings within a camera and then holding the fish are just the two things that are need to get worked on. If you got a good hold on the fish and then your settings are set, right. It turns out to be a great picture and knowing what's in focus. So like low aperture being, if you want like just the focus of the, the colors on the fish and the eye to be super in focus and the rest blurry, or if you want like a middle aperture where the whole person and the fish are in focus, but the mountains are blurry, or if you get a really great landscape photo of everything in a high aperture. I, I would push back a little bit in that I feel like there's a couple external things like having the sun in the right spot or oh, yeah, like right. or like what angle you're at. Like one thing I've noticed and I'm not I'm not a photographer by any means, but I've noticed that I like photos more where the photographer is like down yep. at the same level as the fish. I was just about to say that. Okay, as I say, there's a lot of people I've had take pictures like when I hold a fish up and they're just like I'm like kneeling down in the water and they're just standing up above me like looking down at me. I'm like this is not flattering for anybody in this photo right now. No, no, so. definitely from the water from the from the down view up is the best in my opinion. Either there or dead on, but not from above. It just looks weird. It it does. I don't know what it is, but it, like it seems to skew things. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, just, them, like up, it's just kind of awkward. Yeah. It's good to be right center, a little bit below them. And then yes, uh, if it is a bright day I, and you have cloud cover and shade, definitely good to face the angler, the sun coming into the angler and the, the sun behind the photographer. I always feel like the sun happens to be in like the worst spot too. Like when you, when you Every get a fish time. in. Yeah, you like you are hoping that the sun is in the right spot. And it's always like right, right behind the person holding the fish, and then it's always like some reason you can't get the right, right angle. At that point, usually I'm just like, all right, let's just get a cool release video. <laughs> like the picture is just not gonna work. Yeah, fair Sometimes enough. Sometimes it can be like that. Is there any sort of like logistical differences between what you're doing, like taking photos, videos, whatever, from a drift boat versus waiting? Like I feel like the logistics have to be a little bit different. Yeah, way from a drift boat, definitely have to take into account like the river flowing on each side of you, uh, playing with your exposure and your shutter speed is huge because you don't want the water to look black. We also want it to have color. And then do you want the water to look fuzzy or do you want the water to look like realistic? That's all with shutter speed. Now, the same thing happens too when you're waiting, but when you're waiting, I think you can get more personal shots and then with a drift boat you're going to get more of a landscape type photo so it, i think it's definitely a portrait versus landscape but again depends on where the photographer is so in the drift boat if the photographer's in the back of the boat taking pictures of the guy in the front of the boat he's definitely gonna have to zoom in with his lens to get more of a portrait personal photo but then he can take a really cool photo landscape of the guy rowing and the photographer and the fly fisherman in the front seat i don't know if that really answered your question no, it does. I, I just, I've never done a drift boat trip, so I've never tried to take photos while 
you know, floating downstream. I guess, yeah. I guess it's assuming that the photographer and like basically there's a photographer and an angler and a rower mm-hmm. versus just like an angler and a rower. Yeah. yeah. The photographer would most likely sit in the back of the boat, but then if you wanted to get really good shots of the, the rower, then you would definitely sit in the front and get the, the forefront of him rowing. Now, are you fishing from a drift boat primarily these days since you have one or are you, are you doing more waiting just cause it's like faster and easier? <laughs> I, I hate waiting now that I have a boat. Really? It's, it's just so much fun to fish off a boat and the best part about it is you're getting the water that most people can't access. So, I mean, even when you float, you have a full day ahead of you. My favorites are like short mileages on that float, but um, you have all day. So you can literally park and get out and wait as much as you want. So that's what the benefit of floating is, is you can weigh just as much as you float, depending on where you are. That boat is just getting you to the water that um, you don't have to walk two miles to get to by foot. So do you have someone rowing you or are you like floating somewhere, getting out, stopping, waiting, getting back in, rowing yourself again? <laughs> Usually I have, that's a good question. Usually I have uh, friends with me. I always do because we have to run a shuttle with the cars. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so, you know, a couple of my buddies didn't even know how to row when they first got on the drift boat. And so I've, it was really cool getting like to teach them how to row. And then eventually I get to, eventually towards the end of this semester, they would row majority of the time because I rode them majority of the time in the beginning and I got to fish myself and that was pretty cool to fish on my own boat but I always every time I put the boat in the water I always start off by rowing every single time just just good juju just man with the boat starts by rowing the boat and when you get friends that learn how to row then they can do it and you can fish how how hard would you say it is to learn to row well very hard I'm I don't even row well I'd say it's easy to like row to dodge things and row through difficult water. It's very hard with positioning and keeping the angler where he needs to be. Like if there's a rising fish and you're in slightly moving water or swirly water, it's so hard. It is so hard. And like learning to drop your anchor in the right places because it can pull your, if your anchor gets caught in fast water, your boat could flip. There's like a lot of complications to positioning, I think is the hardest part. So basically, it sounds like it's easy to learn the basics, but hard to get really good at it. It is. It's very, I'm so bad at still positioning the anglers uh, properly, but I I can definitely dodge a rock garden with high confidence. Okay. And do you, like, how long do you think someone needs on the sticks to get to the point of, of just being able to, like, dodge stuff and, like, get down the river okay? I'd say between three and, and eight times three and eight times like an all day row. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't think they can do it. They can't do it in the first day unless it also depends on athleticism. Like my girlfriend like has like knows what to do mentally, but her arms are just straight noodles. So she can't like, <laughs> have the, she can't have the power to move away in time, but she has the, the direction of the boat placed perfectly. Like she can um, tell someone else how to do it just fine. It's just the yes, actual like yes. doing it. Okay. Yes. And she's only rowed. I'd say probably like, six times but she knows everything in her head but doesn't have the power but then i've had guys that have all the power but just can't figure out that you have to row back like what rowing backwards means moving the boat backwards and like when they get scared of something they try and like push forward away from it those are like the little things that um you'll learn within those first couple times is uh someone yapping at you over your shoulder like to point the front person and row away like i when I taught my friends, I said, you will not like forward push the entire day. You can only row backwards. 
Like you're only rowing upstream basically. Only upstream because that'll slow you down and that can move you away from things because you're obviously pulling is a lot more powerful than pushing. So, yeah. So just to wrap up, do you want to share um, like any handles, websites, anything like that, that um, people can find you at? Yeah, totally. Um, for handles, Instagram is at I-D-A-A-F-L-Y-Y. Um, my website that I just recently made is just www.idafly.com. No two A's, no two Y's. I'm on TikTok, same as my Instagram. And Facebook is just Idafly. YouTube is Idafly as well. I got, them, I got all the social media platforms. And hopefully with time, I'll be able to get on the Henry's Fork Anglers uh, guide page. With. All right, perfect. Well, I'll share all that in the show notes too if, if anyone wants to come visit or uh, take a trip with you. Hopefully, if you're going to be guiding sometime in the near future, hopefully. I hope so too. All right, awesome. Well, uh, thanks, Joe, for, for taking the time. And um, maybe we'll, we'll, if I ever end up in Idaho, which we're talking about coming up to Idaho in the next year, maybe I'll have to hit you up and take a trip or something. Seriously, yeah. Even, even if we're just, if you guys got an extra day, I'd gladly take you on the boat. Awesome. Uh, just for a fun float. That'd be great. You should let me know. All right, will do. All right, Thanks, Joe. Man. Take have a good night. You as well. Thank you. All right, and that is all. As always, if you liked what you heard, I'd love for you to go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to podcasts and subscribe there. Uh, if you've got a couple extra minutes, a rating or review would also be much appreciated. It doesn't take too long, and it makes a big difference on my end. You can also find all my episodes on fishuntamed.com in addition to fly fishing articles every two weeks. And you can find me on social media under my name, Katie Burgert, on Go Wild or at Fish Untamed on Instagram. And I will see you all back here in two weeks. Bye, everyone. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.